You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Today's the last of a three-part series that we're looking at the person of Samson. Samson's an Old Testament individual, a person who uh, exists in the Old Testament. And so in the three weeks, we've been looking at his life and as well as just what it means to us broadly. In fact, two weeks ago when we first started, we actually took kind of a 30,000-foot view of the book of Judges in which we find it. Um, And so recognizing that in order to understand Samson, part of understanding Samson is understanding the context in which he lived and the circumstances. And uh, the, the days were evil. Uh, and that there was a lot of the Israelites would follow God and then fall away from God and follow God and fall away from God. And it was this cyclical pattern that continued to repeat itself. And Samson was the last of 11 judges that are identified in the book. And so we learned that first week that even in the midst of adversity, God is at work. We don't often see it. We don't understand it. We, don't, we may not even be aware of it but we can be confident that God is at work and we can trust him to be working on our behalf. Last week, we saw that where Samson, we got a little lower uh, level uh, altitude and we had a little closer view of Samson as an individual. And we saw that Samson made a number of really emotionally driven, impulsive decisions that were just terrible. They were just terrible. And they, they, they had devastating consequences And we learned last week that consequences from our sin don't always come right away. And that actually makes them really dangerous. Because when we do something we know to be wrong, our conscience is telling us, hey, don't do that. But when we do it and there's no consequences, our conscience becomes a little less rigid, if you will, or a little less severe the next time. And we begin to kind of train ourselves almost like, oh, nothing happened, nothing's going to happen. And then... Unfortunately, there always, always is a day of reckoning. We learned that um, last week. We learned that our actions can, in fact, limit God's work in our lives. There's things that God might want to do, but because of our inaction or because of our actions, um, it keeps him from doing what he might want to do. So that's been the last couple weeks. Today, as we come to the story, we find that Samson meets and falls in love with a woman named Delilah. I think even if you're not that familiar with the Bible or the Bible stories, most of us have heard at least the, the, the idea of Samson and Delilah. We're, we might be familiar with that. But we know that Delilah is a Philistine woman. And uh, so, so we know that that relationship is not one that Samson should be in just by virtue of him. If he had been obedient to the Mosaic law, and, and uh, if you've been following that, that, that would not have been a relationship he got in, involved in. But we learned that Delilah is bribed by the Philistine rulers to try to discover what gives Samson his strength. For 20 years, there's been this back and forth, tit for tat, and going back and forth between the Philistines and Samson, and they could never subdue him. They could never get him because of his strength. And three times she tries to trick him. She gets him to divulge what his source of his strength is. And three times Samson lies, and she's exposed you know, as what her did, but Samson still, you'd think after one time, you know, I'm breaking this relationship off. This woman doesn't intend, but not once, not twice, not even three times, or even after three times, Samson is still in this relationship. And then it says in, in verse 16 of chapter 16, it says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. 
No razor has ever been used on my head. And because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. So he tells her the source of his strength. And while he's sleeping, Delilah cuts his hair. And then on the fourth attempt to capture him, we have a very different outcome. And that's where we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 16, verse 20. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have your device, one of, uh, or even a Bible. Some people have those these days. Um, Judges chapter 16, I'm going to start with verse 20. We'll read a couple of verses, and then we're going to jump down to verse 28. Um, but let's, let's read together. Then she called Delilah, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Let's jump down to verse 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Let's pray. Father, uh, very grateful for your word and for what we can learn and observe in it as how you interact with people and your relationship with them. And we can see in the life of Samson, God, some really clear things. Some, some are encouraging, some are warnings to us. Father, in the next few minutes, I pray that you would help us to hear what you might have for us this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, some of you know a couple weeks ago, I found a poison ivy patch on the edge of our property in our back. Um, and uh, actually, uh, you, you won't know it now. It's pretty much... It's, been a two weeks. So it's mostly, you still see the spots, but it's, it's, uh, it's pretty much healed. But what's interesting, I actually had to record. Uh, I, I'm the online speaker for all our campuses today. So I actually had to record today's sermon on Wednesday. I literally, I wore a long sleeve shirt because even on Wednesday, just a few days, my arms were just a mess. And rather than being a distraction to people, I thought I'll just wear a long sleeve shirt in the middle of July. Um, so that's what I did. But here's the ironic thing about this poison ivy. I knew the poison ivy was there. In fact, I found the same patch last summer. And while I took every precaution to cover every other part of my body, I never covered my arms. I wore a short sleeve t-shirt. So the obvious question, and Betsy to this moment is shaking her head, what is wrong with you? Um, but that's the obvious question. Why? If you know poison ivy's there, if you experienced it before, you're covering all the things, why not cover your arms too? I wish I had a good answer. Um, I remember thinking, oh, it is so hot out. I don't want to wear long sleeves. And I do remember having this thought, I'll be careful. I'll be careful. Um, I made excuses and I rationalized it in my mind, but really, I, I knew better. I knew better. 
Have you ever done that? You, you know you shouldn't do something, but you do it anyways. Or you know you should do something, but you don't. And afterward, you're just filled with regret. So, oh. Why? Why? Now, let's face it. Relatively speaking, my poison ivy experience was relatively minor and insignificant. No long-term consequences, but very short-lived uh, in the scheme of things. Unfortunately, sometimes our actions have greater long-term circumstances. Or, I'm sorry, long-term consequences. Regret that we might have over the incident can sometimes lead to feelings of guilt, even self-condemnation making the consequences of our actions even more devastating to our lives. I have little doubt that Samson was filled with regret. I mean, here's the guy, the, the, the angel of the Lord said, I mean, predicted of his birth. You know, he's, here he is, you know, he's grinding grain and he's been blinded and a terrible thing has happened to his life. And you know, we have to realize between verses 21 and 28, there's months have gone by. And while he's living like this and pushing this grinding wheel all day long to the point of exhaustion and never forgetting who he was, always remembering that he was Samson. He was the one called by God, anointed by God, empowered by God, and look where he was now. Thinking about how he threw it all away. The thing is, the more I've studied the life of Samson, the more I realize it's not just a story about him, it's a story about each one of us. Although we are uniquely different as to God's creation and purposes, the one thing we all share in common is failure. The question is not, will we fail, but rather how we, we respond when we do. And I think there's a lot we can learn from Samson. Now, before I go on, I think I need to make a distinction between just failing in general and failing God. Now, there may be a time when you tried something and it just didn't work. It failed. You know, whether it's starting a business or starting some venture or an exercise program or something, you know, where you're wanting to do something and it just doesn't work. And I want to make a distinction between that, though, and I don't want to minimize that. I, I mean, some of the consequences of some of those decisions are very, very hard. And, and I get that. So I don't want to minimize that. But there's a distinct difference between failing at something you tried and failing because you did something in disobedience to God. Samson knowingly failed, or Samson failed because he knowingly disobeyed God. But we learn in Samson that in spite of his failure, we see that God wasn't done working yet. So from the life of Samson, we see a few things. We can observe a few things from his life. One of the things we can observe is that a failure is an event. It's not the person. You can fail at something, but that does not mean you are a failure. Now, remember the words uh, back from week one when we're talking about Samson, and the angel of the Lord came to Samson's mother, who was barren, and said, you're going to have a son. And he said these words. He, Samson, the, will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So that's what was prophesied. He will begin the deliverance of the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. Now, what did we just read? One of the verses we just read, uh, at the very end of Samson's life, it said this. Thus he, again Samson, killed many more when he died than while he lived. 
So yes, Samson's life didn't go the way God intended it for him. God, I think, had a different plan for Samson. But even though Samson failed God, God never gave up on Samson. God was still able to do through Samson what he intended to do. Just because you may feel like you failed God in your life doesn't mean you're a failure. Don't allow an event or an experience to define you. So, failure is an event. It's not a person. From the life of Samson, we also observe that when we fail, a natural response is remorse. A better response is repentance. <clears throat> as, we read, uh, as we read the Bible verses a few minutes ago, did you notice that in the words of Samson, not once did he ever repent before God? He never said, God, I've sinned. I screwed up. I messed up. He never actually repented or even acknowledged his failure. In fact, why did Samson ask for God to give him back his strength? Revenge. Let me, give me back my strength so I can get revenge against the Philistines for what they did to my eyes. It was still all about him. It was still all about that. And that's what Samson was, was motivating him. You know, when I think about others in the Bible who sinned and failed God, you know, but then they repented. People like David and Paul and others that throughout Scripture that when they sinned and they repented, when they repented, God restored them. It makes me wonder if the outcome would have been different for Samson had he repented as well. It's only speculation. We don't know. That's not what the story tells us. But it makes me wonder. While it's natural to feel remorse when we fail, it's so much better to actually repent. Remorse is when you feel bad for your decision or action. But repentance is owning your failure and bringing it to God. Remorse will keep you stuck while repentance moves you forward. See, here's the thing. You can't unsin. You can't, you don't get a do-over. You can't take it back. What's done is done. You can only repent. As you repent, you discover the mercy of God that redeems and restores. I like what it says in 1 John chapter 1. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We just have to repent. So when we fail, a natural response is remorse. A better response is repentance. <clears throat> Lastly, from the life of Samson, we can observe that even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. I want you to hear the story. We've got a, a video, a story of an individual um, who talks about his failure and God's how God's purposes are now being worked out in his life, not because of the failure, but in spite of the failure uh, that was in his past. So my name is Gabe Allrand. I'm from Lincolnton, North Carolina. I grew up in a small town going to church. I remember playing in the pews of the church 
And so I knew God from like a ch- as a child. Along the way, I, I, I got lost, meaning, you know, I, I was a normal kid that was a part of the party scene. And when I got to college, my partying escalated into like drug abuse. And before I knew it, I was full blown addicted. So I became a part of the community down here who, who kind of just, of other people who had been through what I had been through. And someone asked me, um, do you think that God forgives you? And, and I said, yeah, I, I believe that he does. He forgives our behavior. And, and he said, well, then if God can forgive you, then don't you think you should forgive yourself? moment I realized that it wasn't that God wasn't going to forgive me for what I had done. It was that I couldn't forgive myself and allow myself the opportunity to step into my faith and become a part of the church or become a part of the community because I felt like I, I had done wrong. Through my recovery process, I became a part of the church, became a part of allowing myself to be open again to, to God's grace and, and that he, do, he loves me no differently no matter what I've done. The best part of this is that he has used that journey that I went on that I thought was the end of my life or the worst thing that ever happened to me or something I could never recover from or just you're a drug addict, you'll never be anything. He has used that part of my life to now be the highlight of my life. Now I get to help on a daily basis other people who are still going through the middle of that journey. You know, he basically took my worst moments and has made that the highlight of my life, the biggest blessing in my entire life. I love that. Got to take one of my most painful experiences, turned it into a highlight in his life. While it might not be addiction, I suspect most of us here have something in our past we wish wasn't there. It's a failure, maybe it's a weakness, something we did, something we didn't do, something that might cause us to have remorse or even feel ashamed. I used to think that following God's will in your life was like a straight line. And if you veered off the path, then you were of no value to him anymore you're out of his will and you basically have disqualified yourself. I came to realize that's a very, very narrow and a very limiting view of God. God is so much bigger than that. Um, what Really what changed my thinking on that was the smartphone, the GPS specifically. You know, if you're, you, you type in, you know, you enter in your destination and it calculates this turn-by-turn route to get to where you want to go. So, but what happens if you make a mistake and you're talking, not paying attention, and you miss your turn? Or, or you knowingly disregard the instructions. I'm not listening to this. I know better. I'm going this way. What does it do? It recalculates a new route to get to the same destination. Remember back in the day, it actually used to have the words running across the screen, recalculating, recalculating. It's, it's refiguring out a new path. Now, it might take you more time. 
and it might take more gas, but it will get you to your intended destination. With the GPS, it's the destination that matters, not the path you take to get there. I believe the same, I believe it's the same when we fail before God. There may be consequences for our actions. Life might take a different path than what God may have initially wanted for you or for me. But I believe with all my heart, one of the most tragic things a person can think is that their past sins and failures disqualifies them from God using them again in the future. What we see in the life of Samson and the lives of so many men and women in Scripture is that God will accomplish his purposes in and through us in spite of our sins and in spite of our failures. God is not done with you because you have failed in your past. You have not been disqualified. You're still in the game. The key is, will you repent and give him the opportunity? I love Proverbs 24. For though a righteous man or woman, though a righteous person falls seven times, they rise again. They rise again. Hear me when I say it's never too late to do what God wants you to do. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to begin. You may be down, but you're not out. So, Let me wrap up my time here this morning with three questions for you. First question is this. What strongholds need to be pushed down in your life? There may be a particular event in your past that keeps you from moving forward with God. So that's question number one. Is there something specific that you can point to that is keeping you bound? Second question is this. What failure are you moving beyond? Let me suggest that today's the day to put it behind you once and for all. That God wants to deliver you from that burden forever. The last question is this. How are you going to do it? If there's something that you're pushing beyond, something you want to get beyond, how is that going to happen? I would like to suggest that the best place to start is, is to repent before God. Surrendering to his lordship in your in your with surrendering to his lordship with your life if you have not already done that. Giving your life to him, it begins there. But then after that, repenting before him and resubmitting your life to his lordship in your life, and then receiving, and this is a big part, receiving his gift of grace and mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that uh, we have the opportunity to learn from Samson, that uh, his life is not ideal. It's not one we can put up on a pedestal and say, live life like this. Lord, but it's still valuable because we can look and see what he did that caused um, him harm, that caused, Lord, that affected him negatively in so many ways. So Lord, I pray that we would have eyes to see today that we would be able to see maybe there's things in our own lives that need to, uh, to be removed. Lord, I ask and pray that if there's anyone here who has not yet submitted their life to you as Lord and Savior, that they would pray, and Lord, and they would give themselves to you this day, that it would, they'd surrender themselves. Father, if there's any here who are struggling with their past, 
Father, today, in this moment, deliver them from that guilt. Deliver them, Lord God, from that feeling of, of just being sidelined. Lord, as they repent before you, Lord, may you cleanse them, restore them, heal them, Lord God, in every way. Father, you didn't make us and bring us to this point in our lives just to stay today. All right, I'm done. You're on your own. Father, you've promised to walk through any situation in life to be with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So, Father, in the midst of our failures, Lord, may we find you. May we return to you. May we repent. And, Father, may we be restored. So, Father, again, we commit ourselves to you and ask, Lord, for you to work as you want to work in our lives. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.